Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor. And I am Aaron Taylor, and we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Maximizing Life in the Middle podcast. Mm, you say podcast in a very interesting way. I say podcast, you say podcast. 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 <laughs> I remember when I first heard the word podcast. Actually, it was from you years ago. And you said, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this podcast and you should totally. Oh my gosh, podcasts are so much fun. You, you have to listen to them. And I was like, podcast? What does that actually mean, pod? Like a pea pod or <laughs> telecast, a cast of a, a cast of a show, a pod, and a cast. What does that actually mean? And I remember getting stuck on that word and not hearing a word that you said about <laughs> what it actually was or what it meant. I just could not figure out what the word podcast meant. And still, I don't know. Well, be- what does podcast, what, well, what's the meaning of that? It came from iPod. Oh. <laughs> you never realized that? I thought I no. explained that to you at one point. I don't think you did. Right. That's funny. So the Now iP- it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it came from, <laughs> this is audio to be listened to on your iPod. And so they said, oh, well, we'll call it, we would call it normally a broadcast of yes. radio, broadly casting the media out there. A podcast is... We're narrowly, narrowly casting this program, whatever it is, for people who have iPods and who would download them. But of course, now with technology growing at a lightning pace, you can listen to it on your computer or who knows what other ways you can listen to it, Stitcher and whatever. And I don't even know that Apple, well, I guess they still probably do sell iPods, though. I'm sure that's at this point a very small slice of. I think that's for the young children who are not yet old enough for a phone. That's who's getting an iPod. So what's that? Three these days? <laughs> Maybe six <laughs> months. Who knows? Oh dear lord. Anyway. So, what's our jumping off point? What's our topic? How will we title this episode when the time comes? I wanted to talk about. What our daughter did at school recently. Yeah, and I just found out about this, so I'm, I'm, uh, I've got like fresh, it's fresh on my brain. Yes, all these conversations went on between her and I, and I just never remembered to fill you in on it. So it was pretty interesting because a couple of weeks ago she came home with marker written on her arm. Words on her arm with huge fat blue marker, dark blue marker. Not, I love X. No, no. It was a very strong statement, and you could tell by the way it was written. And maybe we will be able to post a picture of it with the show notes, Mm. if that works. I think we might be able to do that. 
So on her arm, she wrote, she had written, I am not, capital N-O-T underlined, I am not a distraction. Right. So when I saw the writing on her arm, I said, wow, how come you have writing on your arm? And I've learned enough at the, by this point not to flip out, oh, my gosh, you wrote on your arm. What were you thinking? What are you doing? You're going to get ink poisoning or something like that. <laughs> if you said ink poisoning to her, that would be a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> we would then hear about ink poisoning as a thing yeah, for forever. an awful long time. Yeah. So um, I've learned not to overreact as much as possible, as often as possible when they come with things like that. So I just said, huh, why do you have that writing on your arm? And she said, we did, we were doing a peaceful demonstration at school today. And I said, oh, interesting. Why? What were you, what were you demonstrating against? And she said, the dress code policy. Well, in our middle school, the dress code policy for as long as I've known about it, well before our oldest went through that school, well before he was ever there, the dress code policy was you couldn't wear tank tops. And in the elementary grades in our town, you could wear tank tops, and it was a two or three finger roll or whatever it was, you know, two or three little little kid fingers, as long as it was that thick, you were okay. But then by the time middle, you get to middle school, you were no longer allowed to wear tank tops at all, boys or girls. And the explanation I ever heard from various sources about why that rule existed or that dress code existed was because if girls wear tank tops to school, the boys will be distracted. That's probably, we both agree, I think, or we both agree, that that's probably potentially possible. We're talking about 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. The girls are... Who are just figuring out what girls mean in their lives. Right. The girls, maybe some of them are developing at various different rates. You're getting, you know, a lot of hormones active and all that stuff. So it seems as, A, something that could really be the thing. Like, that could really be a truth. That could be a true statement, yes. And on the face of it, you just kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a that's a thing. But then... When we, especially in response to her, to her uh, protest, we definitely sort of thought in terms of you know think about it a little deeper that you know the boys, it's not up to the girls to right. make and sure I, that the boys aren't distracted. Right, and I think that the reason I never thought more deeply about that because our older son complained endlessly yes. about the fact that he couldn't wear tank tops. He was very annoyed by it because he likes to be comfortable, as do most kids. And when he would complain about it, I just didn't even give another thought. Well, I mean, the dress code is the dress code. You can't do it, so you just can't do it. You'll have to change when you get home. But I never really thought about it on a deeper level because we had a boy. And because he also (laughs) is not... He's a... He is a... He is a rule follower in that he will understand the rule. And if you told him that 
you couldn't wear a shirt unless the sleeves were one and seven eighths <laughs> inches long. He would have one that was one and thirteen sixteenths, and you couldn't find a ruler that would show the difference. But he will ultimately follow the rule. He might hate it and complain about it, but he will follow it. Right. And he's not going to be. He's generally not going to be the kid who would protest against. He's something. not going to try. Yeah, he's not going to protest. He'll complain, but not in a public way. Right. Or a formal way. Well, our daughter is not necessarily a protester either, because she's a very much a peacemaker. Very, very much a peacemaker. <coughs> but yet. She may. <coughs> I think she has a spirit of wanting to uh, enact change, though. She definitely has that. But the example I will give, and hopefully it won't take us too much off track of this topic, but when the, the Million Woman March came around after the inauguration this year, I asked her... I, when I was learning about it, I thought, gee, I wonder if I should take her and participate in this Million Woman March because I'm a woman, she's a girl, mom, daughter. I knew a lot of other moms and daughters who were participating in it. So I thought, well, if I don't offer her that opportunity, am I kind of depriving her of something that would be powerful for her to participate in. But I was a little bit, I personally was a little bit ambivalent about it. And when I brought it up to her, it turned out that she was not ambivalent about it. She was strongly against participating in it. And her reasons were the same reasons that were making me feel ambivalent, which is interesting. And the reason that she said she didn't want to protest in that march is because she felt that the march was very much um, a march against our president. And even though she didn't like a lot of his policies and didn't wouldn't have voted for him and didn't care for him, she didn't feel that she wanted to participate in something that gathered all these people together simply to not support him or speak out against him. She felt like it was... She felt like it was um, not in the spirit of bringing people together to come together to march against the president. And I know there were other reasons for marching, but that was her feeling. She didn't want to participate in it because she felt that it divided us instead of bringing us closer, <coughs> closer together. So, and I kind of felt the same way. I appreciated the, the coming together and joining together of the voices of women and girls, but I had the same feelings many times about protests, speaking out against, well, I mean, there are certain things that you, there's just a no-brainer that you should be speaking out against them, but... I felt ambivalent about it, and she was totally against it. So she is a change. She does want to enact change, but only if it doesn't divide people because she's a right. unifier and a peacemaker. So th the fact that she was even participating in this peaceful demonstration or peaceful protest at school was uh, surprising to me. 
because she's very shy. And so... Well, that's the other thing. Right, the idea that she would be a part of a demonstration and want to make that move to put herself out there in school was a really good sign, sign of something different from her in some regards. Yeah. But I keep coming back to, it's funny, when you first said it, you know, when you first said her response and what, hey, what is that, what is that written on your arm about? And you said, oh, it's because she was involved in a peaceful demonstration. Yeah. (laughs) The word that I came back to, the word that like jumped out at me when I heard it was a peaceful demonstration. Well, peaceful protest. A peaceful protest. And for whatever reason, like I keep coming back to the idea of a peaceful protest as opposed to what? A violent protest inside of middle school or whatever. <laughs> I was just like I was just struck by the modifier on there of a peaceful protest, but I know that for faith, that's a huge modifier. Peace. And peaceful. It's, it's a peaceful demonstration. It's a, it's an effort to call attention to something, but without. You're not ostracizing an individual. Yes, and there's and not she's energy not about behind it of conflict. That yeah. is a key thing for her. While, and so many times, in especially in our current political environment, we have seen that. You know, there's a lot of demonstrations, there's a lot of protests, there's a lot of, of actions that people are taking. And sometimes their intentions, I think, are, I, I think their intentions are all because well, somebody feels... Well, they want some kind of change. They want some kind of change, or somebody feels underserved, or somebody feels... Um, some group... Left or, behind, yes. whatever. But many times, those, there seems like there's energy... We're big believers in the energy of things, right? We're big believers in the energy of how stuff feels. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times there's energy behind some of those acts, some of those protests that are not peaceful. Even if the demonstration itself doesn't get out of hand and there's no violent action, that the well, energy behind those protests... Yes, that there's anger maybe behind the the, the protests. Yeah, or, or even a this sense of like... This isn't fair, I'm... Yeah. Angry about this. No, peacefully protesting I want right change. now. It's a peaceful protest today. But give it a little bit and things not happening or changing or whatever. And it could. Well, I don't know that it would, any of those would, would uh, disintegrate into violence. I mean, sometimes they do because you have the fringe element and stuff who, uh, who, who bring a, a negative. Uh, cast a negative light on mm-hmm. these people who are legitimately gathering to do the same thing, to bring attention to something that they feel is not fair or not just or what have you. Right. But, yes, I think the energy thing is... I, I understand what you mean, and I hope our listeners understand what you mean as well, that there's kind of like an edge underneath of the protesting. Yeah, whereas... And, and faith... Would never, she doesn't want to be a part of anything. She would never be like a part that. of something like that. She would be a part of something where the energy was on. Hey, we want to make a change, and we're Let's here to make the call world a better place. It. Let's make the world a better place for everybody. Yes, and so 
interesting that you bring that point up because one of the things she told me is that some of the boys even were expressing their support for the girls. They, some of the boys even said to the girls with the writing on their arm, I think you, I'm glad you're doing this because I don't think you're a distraction. And I don't think you should, I don't think any of us should be banned from wearing tank tops because you're a distraction. And so it almost seems like it did unify the school on that one particular topic because the boys supported the girls and the girls had the courage to speak up, which is amazing because we want to raise young women who take a stand when they feel that something needs to change for whatever reason and have the courage to do it. So um, I think that's great. And the administration of the school... Uh, well, she came home yesterday yeah. and said, Guess what, Mommy? They changed the dress code. We can wear tank tops now. And she was so happy, and I was over the moon for her. She said the rule now is that the tank top strap has to be two inches or wider, which can be challenging when you're a tiny person like she is to have a tank top where the straps are two inches. Um, she put one on yesterday because she wanted to wear a tank top and I think it was like an inch and a half so she was bummed because she actually put the ruler up because she is if, if the older one is a rule follower she is the ultimate rule yeah, if follower the, if, if, if the older one is trying to follow the letter of the law and sneak every little bit around it that he can she is she will follow the spirit of the law yes letter and spirit Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So her tank top wasn't quite wide enough, and she was bummed out, and she had to go change her shirt. But it's so great. I, I do believe that this dress code policy was uh, created by the past administration, which had been there for eons. And we have a new administration, a relatively new administration in our school, who I absolutely love. The principal and vice principal, they are fantastic in my opinion, and they are all about the kids and all about creating a really uh, supportive school climate mm -hmm. for their students. They're very hands-on. They're very involved. The kids really seem to, lo to love the principal. He has a great reputation, and... And they listen. He's, and he's very responsive. And he's always heard listen to what I've had to say and taking it taking it into consideration and maybe acted on it maybe didn't but really gave me a space to share my ideas when I had them and it's so incredible that they gave the same respect to the students they thought about they must have thought about this policy taken the girls thoughts into consideration and decided that it was a dress code policy they were ready to uh, change and and take that rule out. Yes, I mean so that's a great for for all those kids who came together and and did that peaceful protest in an attempt to enact change. Like how great a message is that for them that they wanted to do something, they wanted to make a change in an important structure in their lives. And, you know, there is a risk at some point of other of Tempest in a teapot here with this whole idea of tank tops in an air-conditioned school. In 
Well, that's fine, but our kids, you know, are walkers, so it's not necessarily the school day, but, you know, yesterday it was 97 degrees. When you're walking home from school and it's 97, you'd be much happier in a tank top than you would be in a t-shirt. These are uh, first use, world. These problems. are first world. These are first world problems for sure, right? Our kids get picked up from school in an air conditioned car many times as well. So I'm not making light of their issue or the fact that they did it. What I do want to point out is, but for some listeners, they may listen to this and go, <clears throat> "That's you know they're they're complaining about something that's that's a pretty narrow uh, bourgeoisie, if I could use such a word, uh, focus point." But the great thing is that they came together. They, they organized. Organized. They came up with a pretty neat protest in terms of writing on the arm it's that's very exposed. Cool. It's very cool. And then they got the change that they wanted. Yes. The policy moved. Now, I personally, I think it was two or three days from two or three school days from the protest to the change of the policy? No, I think it was about two weeks. Oh, okay. So longer longer than, than I thought. So the administration came together and changed it in that length of time. That sounds about right for the way a school administration moves in terms of... Yeah, I mean, I think that's reasonable. Right. So I, I thought it was a couple of days, so I would have thought... I thought that was very fast. Yes. For a policy to change like that. But it's great for them to see, hey, we did this, we got a change to the policy, and it wasn't a year and a half later after the kids who tried so to do the protest. So much bureaucratic red tape, right, and right. then they've moved on. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty uh, immediate response in the grand scheme of things, and so encouraging for those girls. Yep. Now the next time something comes up, They've got that in their memory banks that, that they took a stand for something they cared about and they succeeded. Now they're not always going to succeed, but at least we're we've we've encouraged them to to stand up and speak out when something doesn't seem right to them and to organize together. One voice is kind of like the small little who, the little who in Whoville who said, "I'm on the dust's back." And Horton, Dr. Seuss, right? Horton didn't hear the who, but then they needed to really Mm -hmm. come together in order for that bad guy character, whatever his name was, he wanted to, what did he want to do? Blow the, um, was it a wish flower? He wanted to blow the seeds away or throw it in the field of clovers. Yeah, I think the bird comes on and grabs it and swoops and takes it away and drops it into... Yeah, he didn't want to believe that there were who's on that little flower. Dandelion or something? Yeah. And so all the who's in Whoville, the little microscopic who's, had to bring their voices together and shout at the top of their lungs in order for a little faint whisper to be heard. So um, I'm glad that the girls had the outcome that they did. Yep. And it um, it was interesting to watch. And then, you know, I don't think it can, I don't think we can uh, forget to point out that the, the reason that they were protesting is because while it may be true that a girl showing more skin than less at school could distract a boy sitting in her class, 
it is not the girl's responsibility to not be a distraction to the boy. Right. Because, I mean, there's a couple points that I made to you earlier. When the lawnmower, when the man mowing the lawn outside of the classroom runs by in his riding lawnmower, he could distract students. Distract everybody, I'm sure. Right, he could... The students could, girls and boys, could stop listening to the teacher and stare out the window watching the man mow the lawn. I know I did that when I was in school. Sure. Does that mean that the man can't mow the lawn and the lawn has to grow six feet tall because he might distract the kids? We have we have a Air Force base five miles from our house. There are planes, loud planes sometimes, that fly over. Yeah, should they not do their um, their practice drills because they might distract the kids. I mean, it is not the responsibility of the distractor, the potential distractor to change their activities. And particularly, I think this point is true for girls and how they dress. Um, I, the interesting thing is that I happened to be on a discipline committee meeting at our middle school about two years ago, where we were discussing the dress code and some changes to the policy. And the teachers who were in the meeting were saying, were kind of giving some background and history on certain parts of the dress code and why they existed. And they said, you know, some of these teachers had worked in the school for a long time. And they said, before they put certain things into the policy, it was getting out of hand. Like some of the boys would wear their their shorts sagging down under their right. butt cheeks so that their underwear right. was hanging out. Yeah. And then some of the girls were wearing midriffs where their whole abdomens were showing right. or their shorts were so short, and you can find them in any store anywhere for kids this age. Their shorts were so short, their butt cheeks were hanging out. I don't think those kinds of things are appropriate, not necessarily because they'll distract the other kids, which they probably will, but they're not appropriate because... 10 or 11, 12, 13-year-old kids do not need to be dressing that way. That's not in alignment with what, what a, how a, a young kid or a young adolescent should be should look. That's just my opinion. Um, but in terms of the, the girl being a distraction, it makes me think about it makes me think about, you know, uh, the, the rape culture. And how, you know, you hear a lot of times TV shows or or actual court cases or what have you where they want to try to blame the victim and say the girl got raped because she was out too late at a party or she was dressed provocatively and so she was asking for it. Well, no one was asking for that. No one, everybody has a sovereign right to their own body and... No one but that individual should determine what goes on with their body. They have the sovereign, ultimate decision in what their body does or doesn't do. And so, um, you know, whether the the girl should not be victimized because she's dressed a certain way. And to say that a girl in middle school is <clears throat> can't dress a certain way because she's distracting the boy... And we're just talking about a tank top. We're not talking about showing your, your abdomen, your butt cheeks hanging out. To to show your shoulder 
yeah. is a distraction to a boy, that is objectifying girls in such a way I cannot even, you know, as I think deeply about it, it's just unbelievable to me that 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 that's okay. And so um, I'm really glad that, that this policy got changed because it it was an archaic policy, I think, that needed to be changed. Yeah, you know, it's uh, difficult for a guy to necessarily uh, put himself into the in that spot, but I know that the idea, you know, the the sort of personal sovereignty of your actions versus, you know, your reaction, right? That that's like what the the root of that is, right? It's shifting the responsibility away from the boy who might be distracted by any of those things and shifting it to some outside source. The girl's shoulder, the plane... The lawnmower. The lawnmower, the... She's at a party too late drinking. She was dressed provocatively. Any of these things are all about... Here's me, the individual with all this stimulus coming at me from the world in so many different ways. It all has an effect on me, but at the end of the day, my choice as to how I react to that stimuli, stimuli positively mm-hmm. or negatively, has nothing to do with that outside stimulus, right? Even something as as uh, aggressive as, or even something as <coughs> high a level as as a you know pacifist who's who's going to get struck or hit or whatever and be non-reactive and just choose not to react with violence to that. I mean, that's like the the extreme example. But any of it in any of these environments, <coughs> what we want to strive for is to react in a way that is true to... To respond instead to res- of react. Yeah, to respond or to or to uh, have responsibility for the things that you do. For your do, actions. Your actions. And not to be able to say, well, he, he started it. He stole my toy or, you know, she was... I was distracted. I didn't hear the question because Sally over there was wearing a string... You know, a string halter top or, you know, I mean, or whatever. Any of those things like that's that's the root of it. That's something. And it's, you know, I would I am surely not the uh, arbiter of absolute perfection in that regard. I can at times be very reactive, confrontational, whatever the case may be. But it's a, a goal to strive for. To recognize that the stimulus that's coming for, at you from all over the world, from your own personal feelings, from everything, stuff said to you, stuff done to you, stuff done to other people, that that is out there. You can't control what happens to you. You can only control your reactions to what happens to you. And so this very, again, 
first world kind of minor thing really speaks to a bigger piece, a bigger truth of, you know, the girls can wear what they want to wear, the boys can wear what they want to wear, within reason, though that's, I think, got to be ultimately a standards right, that's test that's a great of a area. That's got to be a standards test of a community. Right. But in this case, the girls can wear what they want to wear within the standards of the community, and the boys just have to take all that external stimulus and deal with it and deal with it and act appropriately right and I think you make a good point with saying that every person's choices are ultimately their responsibility Uh, and I think about parenting because I you know extrapolate that out to parenting how many times do we tell our kids do parents tell their kids when they're grouchy or yelling well, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't stop acting up like, if you wouldn't act up like that, I wouldn't yell, or if you would listen to me, I wouldn't be in such a bad mood, right? I know I'm guilty of it. I I've tried to move away from it as often as much as humanly possible, but I know <clears throat> there have been times when I've tried to place the blame or the responsibility for my actions or my mood on the kids. And it's ultimately not them. And, you know, the more I listen to my favorite Dr. Shafali, the more I remember on a regular basis. She was just talking about it in her class that she did last night, where she was saying, basically, we, we have to create the inner space inside of ourselves to be able to withstand the chaos that goes on around us. We cannot control the chaos that goes on around us. We can only control how we respond to it. So that chaos could be, uh, it could be, uh, we get a flat tire. It could be the girl sitting next to us is wearing a tank top. It could be someone we love is hospitalized or has died or we lose our job, we lose our house, whatever. It could be any kind of chaos. Our kids aren't listening. We got in an argument with the neighbor, whatever. We can't control what's going on in the world. All we can control is what's going on inside of ourselves. And we as adults, you and I, work on practicing that and getting better and better at it And that's a lesson that we should be teaching our kids, too. They are responsible for their choices and their behaviors. And sometimes they won't make the right choices, just like we don't. But it is not right to place the responsibility for a boy being distracted on a girl in his class. That is just not right. So I think it's, it's, like you said, it's a broad topic where we all have to just take responsibility for our own actions and not try to blame other people for the things that we do or the way that we feel. Absolutely. So I think that's a great place for us to finish up with this episode. Stick around and hear a little bit about our special offer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to put you in a special drawing. Everyone who subscribes to our podcast and gives us a review on iTunes before we post episode eight will be entered into a drawing to win either a copy of my book, Connection and Kindness, The Key to Changing the World Through Parenting, 
or copies of the full library of On the Square Comics publications, including the sold-out first print of Centralia No. 1, the Spring Anthology, and my 2016 sketchbook. The winners will be announced in Episode 9. Good luck! <laughs>